evening, everyone. Welcome to Radio Book Club on KZMU 106.7 and 90.1 FM. This is your host from Grand County Public Library, Jesse Magleby, and Alyssa from Back of Beyond Bookstore. Hello. Hi. Hi. How is everyone? All of Moab, answer. <laughs> Everyone's doing great because it's May 1st and it's the most beautiful day. It's finally warm, finally springtime for real. I'll bet everybody's loving it. It is. It's great. There's so many people out gardening. There's so many costume changes because it's so cool during the morning and then hot, hot in the afternoon. Indeed. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we have some special treats for you today. We're going to be telling you about some of the fun stuff that we've been reading over the past month and um, some of the uh, upcoming events at Grand County Public Library, and we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Um, Alyssa, I will start with some of the library events and then talk about uh, what's going on at the bookstore. Sound good? Excited to hear about them. Fantastic. Well, there are a few things going on. I have to say I've loaded loaded us up a bit this month. Um, in two days' time, Wednesday, May 3rd, at 6 o'clock uh, in the library courtyard, we are welcoming local poet J- uh, Jan Minnick, who's celebrating his new book of poetry called Coming Into Grace Harbor. Jan and his wife Nancy Takas live in Wellington, and we actually had Nancy do a reading for us just about this time last year. And um, now it's her husband Jan's turn. I have been um, I've been digging into some of the poems in this book, and it was really hard to choose one to share with you guys. In a little while, I think um, I think I will share one that I decided on. Um, I hope you do share another poem because all Kali and I have been talking about at the bookstore is the way that you recited one. Oh, <laughs> in its entirety oh. last month, and. <laughs> Kali in particular is unsure that we will ever be able to top a radio book club with that because of that recitation. Oh my goodness, that was the the Jabberwocky <laughs> by Lewis Carroll. Yay! Yeah, that's one of my uh, that's probably my only party trick is reciting the Jabberwocky. It's fantastic. Thank you. And you should upsell it more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just delighted. I have to confess, I enjoy reciting that one too. Uh, anyway, come see Jan Minnick on Wednesday the 3rd at 6 o'clock at the Moab Library branch. Weather permitting, it will be uh, outside um, with the green, the green trees and the birds. It's really a lovely place. Um, then the following week on Thursday, May 11th at 7 p.m., we're going to be at Star Hall for River History with Roy Webb Part 2. Roy Webb um, is going to be sharing archival uh, archival river films with us and if anybody didn't didn't get to come to part one you are still you're still in, you still have a chance to come to parts two and then three in june um uh, uh, roy webb is an author and a river historian with just a vast vast knowledge of all kinds of river lore and history all around this area that call whole colorado plateau um, several states all around us and um very fascinating the films that he showed last time were both entertaining and educational and just a, a delight and his um He's really a pleasure to listen to. So um, parts two, uh, part two is going to be focusing this time on the San Juan River and Cataract and Glen Canyons. Again, that's at Star Hall, um, Thursday, May 11th at 7 o'clock. And as always, it's perfectly free. 
Um, a few, another week later, we're going to be uh, showing a free screening of the 22 Academy Award winner for Best Documentary um, called Navalny. And this movie is quite something. It's a true life thriller. It follows Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny, who survives an assassination attempt by poisoning with a nerve agent in 2020. During his recovery in Germany, he makes shocking discoveries about this attempt on his life, and he decides to return to Russia. This is an ongoing and developing story, um, wow. and the the documentary is extremely well done. Besides winning Best Documentary at the Oscars, it's also received 16 other awards and countless nominations. So, and I love the quote that they include in the trailer. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph in the world is that good people do nothing. I think that's so true. So come see Navalny at the library, Moab Branch, Thursday, May 25th at 7 o'clock and free as well. Then on June 1st, we're welcoming a wonderful author, Melissa Seveny, whose brand new book is just coming out. It's called Brave the Wild River. We're going to have a reading and conversation with Melissa Seveny on June 1st, 7 p.m. at the Moab Library. Brave the Wild River is the untold story of two women who mapped the botany of the Grand Canyon. In 1938, these two intrepid women uh, set out with uh, a few others um, through the Grand Canyon, obviously, to to look at the plants that had never been categorized or um, cataloged and um, this, t- this book tells of their adventures and the impact that their, um, their studies made. Anyway, again, that's June 1st, 7 o'clock, Moab Library, with Melissa Seveny, author of Brave the Wild River. And that wraps up library events for the time being. You're right. That is packed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bookstore for May, um, we don't have much in particular going on we're just going to be enjoying what Moab has to offer in May and be around for everyone but I did want to remind everyone that just a few days ago we celebrated the 10th annual independent bookstore day wonderful and it was really fun we are actually partnering with just about every other um, independent bookstore that is in Utah. And what you can do from now through the end of the year is you can collect this um, this kind of commemorative map of all of the independent bookstores in Utah. And you can get sta- them stamped at all of the different bookstores. And the goal is that you would get to all of these bookstores by the end of the year. There are, goodness, 22 on My this map goodness. in Utah. Utah. Utah is really representing as far as <laughs> independent bookstores go. And the map is really, really cool. It's just a cool thing that you would be able to have if you wanted. Um, it's kind of designed after the Fellowship of the Ring maps, a really Tolkien-esque map that we can give you. We've got some at the store. And you could, of course, head on up to Salt Lake or Ogden or Park City, and there are bookstores up there as well too and they have this map as well so that's that's a really that's a really fun map Mm -hmm. i love love that design definitely tolkien-esque so what did you guys do to celebrate independent bookstore day well we um we definitely welcomed in a lot of people it's bookstore is always a little interesting some of the things that we do i feel like because we have just such a high tourist population Mm -hmm. and so um we 
we did a lot of what some of the stuff that we always do when you you get a free like a reusable bag when you buy a certain amount from us as a show of appreciation we're so thankful that people come and um participate and buy things locally it makes such a huge difference to the community and we were asking lots of people if they would be on our social media page there's lots of stories on that day on instagram and facebook just some of the great customers we had all day long so anything that we could do to appreciate the people that came in and kind of have fun with it oh i can't wait to look that up on facebook and instagram Mm -hmm. and uh, it sounds like the people share their appreciation for the bookstore as well yes Mm -hmm. i love it it's always a fun time so lucky to have such a quality bookstore in this little town I hear people say that all the time at the library, visitors and locals mm-hmm. alike. So nice. Well, um, you also had mentioned earlier that this month is celebrating a certain uh, genre or population of writers. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it is. So uh, May is lots of months. There are lots of things of yeah. importance that happen in May. But one in particular is it's AAPI month, which is Asian American and Pacific Islander month. And so I was thinking today and earlier this week of some of the books that I've read by Asian American authors recently. And The one that really stands out is The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. Um, This book is in paperback now. It came out sometime last year. Um, It made it on quite a few lists, won a couple of awards, and definitely was on Barack Obama's list, his reading list, which is one of my favorite things to look forward to every year. (laughs) Um, But this book, The School of Good Mothers, is... It's like... It is about this woman who is a mother of a toddler, and she is having a really hard time. She's gone through a divorce, and she's not fulfilled in her job. And I'm sure, as most mothers know, toddlerhood is kind of never-ending. There's not exactly like a pause for a 15-minute break kind of thing. There's no off switch. (laughs) There's no off switch. (laughs) And she has this really bad day and doesn't objectively questionable thing and leaves her toddler alone in the house for two hours but then the way that the this book kind of follows the journey of this um that this woman has because there is this new program where women who are considered bad mothers are sent to schools and it's like a year-long program where you live kind of like in dorms and they are teaching you how to parent appropriately but you have to pass every test in order to be released and if you don't you're just re-enrolled and there is it's a brand new program in this book and so there's not really a lot of regulation it's all kind of happening as they're there and the way that they're taught is with um dolls but like ai dolls and so it gets really creepy and obviously the ai in this day and age and of course in this book is incredible so it becomes even creepier because these women are starting to attach to these these dolls um it's an incredible read really good so that's Mm -hmm. jessamine chan school for good mothers yes Mm -hmm. any others Um, One I am really looking forward to read, I'm going to be starting in the next couple of days, is a book of short stories called Bliss Montage 
by Ling Ma. I love the title and I love the cover. The cover. A cellophane bag of juicy, juicy oranges Mm -hmm. on a purple backdrop. That's beautiful. And you know me. I pick up a book by its cover Uh almost every time. (laughs) So this, these oranges and the cellophane even kind of makes the oranges, like, is that more appealing, less appealing, kind of creepy? I don't know. Now I have to read the stories. (laughs) So that's Bliss Montage by Ling Ma. Nice. Well, when Alyssa asked me if I had any AAPI uh, authors to recommend, I did think of one really strong read. I may have mentioned this one. I did, I think, in January, maybe in February. Um, It hails from New Zealand. This is a book by Michael Bennett, who is a Maori writer. It is called Better the Blood, and it's a thriller. And I believe it's the first in what I hope will be a series. Better the Blood is an absorbing, clever debut thriller speaking to the long-standing injustices faced by New Zealand's indigenous peoples. He's an acclaimed Maori screenwriter and director. He's writing about Hannah, a tenacious Maori detective, Hannah Westerman, who's juggling single motherhood, endemic prejudice, and the pressures of her career. Uh, she's led to a crime scene by a mysterious video, and she discovers a grisly murder, ritualistically arranged, and... Um, she recognizes a carving nearby as being a Maori symbol. It gives her her first clue. And delving into the investigation, she finds um, she finds m- more uh, m- more bodies and more deaths that appear to be uh, related. This um, and it all seems to be connected to a historic crime, 160 years before during a brutal and bloody British colonization of New Zealand, a troop of colonial soldiers unjustly executed a Maori chief. And um, it looks like that might be related. I can't tell you too much more except to say that this was extremely well done. Um, story and gripping and twisty and had an ending I didn't entirely see coming. Don't give anything away. I won't. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, but I really hope that there will be a book too. Uh, So I highly recommend if you like uh, police procedurals, murder mysteries, thrillers, especially one that's set in in such an authentic, authentic way set in the um, New Zealand amongst the Maori population of today. Um, And you learn a little bit of history as well, which is always appreciated. This is Better the Blood by Michael Bennett. And that's my contribution. We often take a moment to look over the indie bestseller list um, to talk about anything that we're excited about. Is there anything on that list that sparks your interest? I am going to admit I know that people have been reading and been talking about Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Mm -hmm. And I honestly had no interest in it until I found out that Brie Larson is the actress that's going to play the main oh. character <laughs> when it will become a TV series wow. on Apple Plus. And I love Brie Larson. So in order to watch that, I will read the book. So now, for the first time since it's been on the indie bestseller list for weeks and weeks and my- weeks, I'm excited about this book. So <laughs> yeah, it has been. It's been hanging out, hanging strong. The library had to get several copies of that to fulfill all the all of the holds that readers um, wanted to listen to. Can you tell us a little bit about what the book's about? Read us a little of the inside. Yes. So the book is about a woman in 
I want to say the yeah the 60s that's right in the 1960s who actually really wants to be a teacher and doesn't want to be relegated to the home um but she somehow finds herself in the position to be able to teach cooking on television and she uses this opportunity to actually teach chemistry on her television show which kind of almost masquerades as one of those stereotypical light and airy only women watch this it's how to cook and how to keep your home but she is able to just really deftly educate while she's doing it and bring kind of broadens the show and it's about working in that arena in television production around men around being a woman in the 60s and it's really unclear why I wasn't interested before I heard about this TV show, but now I am. <laughs> I get it. Well, the cover kind of looks like it might just be a fluffy romance, one of those snappy, fun, new it romances. Does. But mm-hmm. um, from what I've been hearing uh, from others as well, that the book has some real depth and mm-hmm. uh, some some unusual characters. So um, sometimes you can judge a book by its cover, but in this case... Perhaps not. It's true. This case, the cover led me astray, if I'm being mm-hmm. totally honest. Yep. But I'm ready now. I'm going to read it. Nice. <laughs> well, on the independent bestseller list, which, um, as some of you listeners know, uh, diverges wildly from things like USA Today's bestsellers or the New York Times bestsellers list, these um, take into account all of the sales from the previous week of all of the independently owned bookstores in America that mm-hmm. report what they're selling so it gives you a more i think a more intimate and um neighborhood uh feel for what people are reading and i think so um, too i i always i always really appreciate these um the one that catches my eye the the most is actually debuted at number one on the nonfiction hardcover side david grant has a brand new book out it's called The Wager, A Tale of Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder. And David Grant is an expert, um, uh, an expert author, uh, nonfiction author. He may remember him from Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI from a few years back. Before that, he wrote The Devil and Sherlock Holmes, Tales of Murder, Madness, and Obsession. Really fun. The Lost City of Z, A Tale of Deadly Obsession in the Amazon. And others, and so we're really um, we're excited to to find out about the story in the wager. So let's see. The description briefly says. Um, in 1742, a ramshackle vessel of patched-together wooden cloth watched up, washed up on the coast of Brazil. Inside were 30 emaciated men, barely alive, and they had an extraordinary tale to tell. They were survivors of His Majesty's ship, the Wager, a British vessel that had left England in 1740 on a secret mission. I'm going to skip over a lot. Um, the men, after being marooned for months, facing starvation figured out how to sail home wow this is a really long description i'm going to leave it there let me tell you though it is very it's there's a there's definitely some mystery and intrigue um as always with david grant's book so we're looking forward to the wager a tale of a shipwreck mutiny and murder that one does sound exciting 
pretty good. Yeah. I was looking on the nonfiction list as well. And one that really stuck out this month is Life in Five Senses. Mm -hmm. How Exploring the Senses Got Me Out of My Head and Into the World by Gretchen Rubin. And I was looking at this one. Obviously, it's a very bright color. You know, it's about the senses. Of course, the cover is going to draw you in. And that always catches my eye. Um, But I was also thinking a lot about it because May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And I know as someone who frequently experiences anxiety, one of the things that I have always been taught and learned to do is to count five things that I see, four things that I smell, three things that I hear, two things that I can touch and one thing that I can taste like or a taste in your mouth and it just kind of slows everything down and kind of stops you from thinking too far in the future or way too far in the past and just gets you right where you are in the present and that's exactly what I was thinking when I saw this book and I'm like oh I bet there are a lot of really great tidbits of how you can kind of bring yourself back into the present especially in the spring when it's beautiful out oh, yeah. where do you want to be but in the Great present timing. <laughs> nice yeah and Gretchen Rubin um she was uh, hugely successful with one of her previous books that I know of anyway it was called The Happiness Project yes mm-hmm. and where she went through a year or two of um actively looking for how to be happy in spite of in spite of difficulties and challenges and Mm-hmm. And I don't even know it all. And I would imagine after writing that book, if this is the one that comes after, this might be a good indicator of how it, you might be able to be happier nice. if you can get yourself in the world yeah. and out of your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. Um, I was wondering, have you heard anything about, now this book has been on the bestseller uh, fiction side for a few weeks now. The wonderful Jeanette Walls has a new one called Hang the Moon. And I haven't talked to anyone that's read that yet. Have you? I have not talked to anyone that has read it yet either. And I keep asking people and people who I know read Jeanette Walls and just haven't gotten to this one. I don't know what that is about unless people are just very busy right now. Yes. Well, so (laughs) listeners, if any of you have a book review on the new Jeanette Walls Hang the Moon, come into the bookstore and or the library and tell us what you think. Um, the one Jeanette Walls I read that I and I really loved was called The Glass Castle. Yes. They made a mm-hmm. movie of it a few years back that was okay, but the book mm-hmm. is just stunning. It's a memoir. She's talking about a very unconventional childhood yeah. with parents who were wildly intelligent, um, creative, artistic, but also just manic and mm-hmm. um, unreliable and uh, just fantastically <laughs> wild and not not perhaps who you'd uh, want for a con- conventional childhood at all however she survived and thrived and yeah. um, grew up to write this book in fact I think the opening line is um, something about a fan she's got a fancy job in New York and she's leaving or, or entering some big fancy building and she sees her mother rummaging through a dumpster wow she hadn't seen her for a while well that sets the stage yeah so then she backtracks and tell us um tells us about her childhood trekking all over the united states with her well this mostly the southwest with her parents anyway that is the glass castle by jeanette wallace probably her most famous book we'd like to hear if anyone out there likes hang the moon by jeanette wallace 
That would be great. And funny enough, as you were talking about the glass castle, I believe it was Brie Larson that was in that movie. (laughs) And Brie Larson is going to be the lead in Lessons in Chemistry. And if anyone is curious, Brie Larson was also in the book, like the adaptation of the book, The Room. So that's right. By Emma Straub was that? I think, yes. And so those are three books that should be read and then watch the movie. If you're a Brie Larson fan, got you covered. That's right. Go (laughs) Alyssa. That's wonderful trivia. (laughs) Hi, Brie Larson. If you're out there listening, we've got a super fan over here. Come on down to Moab. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe think about writing your memoir. (laughs) All right. Good deal. That's enough of the indie bestseller list. What's next, Alyssa? Well... I have been reading, and I'm almost done, uh, with the book Path of Light, A Walk Through Colliding Legacies of Glen Canyon by Morgan Shogren. And people may recall that we did have Morgan at the store earlier in April, and she did a reading from her book and um, did book signings, and she was just a really incredible person to have in the bookstore. Um and just a delight to be around. And so we, uh, so I decided to read the book. I didn't have a chance to read it before she got there. But this book is um, Morgan's journey of following an, an old archaeological um, trail through um, the Glen Canyon and Bears Ears area. Um, it was... The archaeologist is Bernheimer, and he did this in like the 1920s into the early 30s. And she just does an incredible job of giving you kind of an entry into some of the archaeological digs and past of this area and who some of the both the white explorers and the indigenous people that helped with that and I personally had no background in any understanding or um, just any background education or information about archaeology of this area Um, I knew that the people of the Navajo and um, the Diné people and the Southern Paiute were in this area and the Hopi and that sort of thing, but that was the extent of my knowledge. And so I love this book so far because I love how accessible Morgan makes it. And also now I feel like I've got this great catalog of other things that I can read that she's referenced. So, wow, what a great yeah. description. Path mm-hmm. of Light by Morgan Sjogren. Is that how you say your name? I believe so, yes. All right, mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. Um, well, my friends, it is almost 5.30, and I want to remind you that you're listening to Radio Book Club on KZMU, 106.7 and 90.1 FM. You can also listen on the web at www.kzmu.org, and uh, you can tune into Radio Book Club on the first Monday of every month at 5 o'clock until 6. Thank you so much for listening. Well, this would be perhaps a lovely moment to talk, to read you a poem by um, Jan Minnick, who, as I mentioned, is coming to the library to read for us on Wednesday evening at six. Yes. Will you do um, a poem every month now? Sure. I but hope. this one I haven't got. <laughs> I don't have this one memorized. Oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> I did want to read you a quick quote from one of the writers that... Um, 
that reviewed this book of poems. Uh, someone named David G. Pace said that Jan Minnick is a poet persistently informed by the numinous beauty and mystery of the natural world. And yet in this collection of far-ranging poetic gems, it is the interface with the human that resonates with the most heartbreaking clarity. Um, I think that sums it up very well. I spent um, spent some a few hours reading reading these poems. I was actually at work sitting on a desk, um, which it's always a joke. People think librarians just get to sit and read all day, which <laughs> is just absolutely almost never the case. But here I was sitting and reading poems, uh-huh. and I realized uh, six or seven poems in that I had tears pouring down my face, and I had to get up. Uh, and move into the other room for oh. a few minutes. Um, they the poems seem to kind of build um, on this feeling of um, not just nostalgia, but remembering and remembering the deep things about places from our childhood, um, the out the yeah, definitely the natural world. Not just here in Utah, he grew up um, he grew up back east on the on the Great Lakes. I think Lake Superior and around and grew up on the water there and in woods and ponds. I too grew up around woods and ponds, the other the other side of the country, but um, his descriptions just rang so true and just sort of the deeper feelings and meanings there and a lot about passages and, and looking at the end of life and mm-hmm. um, sweet memories of, of people no longer with us. It was hard to pick one. I think I can get through this one without <clears throat> without getting choked up. I had to pick one carefully because of that. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> this one is called Following Arroyos by Jan Minnick. Dry washes hold out like sage, pinions, and junipers. Cottonwoods in this high desert where washes flow more frequently and flash floods come down in the bluest of sunny days waves receding into the San Rafael or Colorado. We need to know more of the green clear-cut for another development, the junipers we uprooted with chains between bulldozers. We need to feel for something not human to take away our fear of dying. Wow. All right, one more. Yes. Jan Minnick, Flying. I should preface this by saying that some of his poems are quite cheerful. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think of dying old, long after I used to see things clearly and my vision has closed in. When I was little, I tell my son, I kept having to get stitches in my head after trying to fly from chairs. And he's glad I told him, showed him the scars no longer hidden by hair. He says it explains a lot. How things come at me from right up a right and I bang my head on the water pipe coming upstairs or the bird feeder I used to be able to see hanging from its limb in the apricot. It isn't so different, he says, from being almost able to really fly. Wow. Yeah, I think those are pretty good. That's just a little sample from Jan Minnick's newest book of poems called Coming Into Grace Harbor. Grace Harbor is a literal physical place on one of the Great Lakes, I believe. And it's also, I think, a spiritual place Mm -hmm. uh, that he's talking about in this. 
And yeah. when is he going to be at the library again? Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. This Wednesday. This Wednesday, May 3rd. Yep. Exciting. Mark mm-hmm. your calendars, everyone. Yeah. Bring tissues, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Your turn, Alyssa. My turn. So the other book that I have been reading this week that I am really enjoying is called Monsters, A Fan's Dilemma by Claire Detterer. I'm then pretty sure that's how you say her last name. Um, And this book, I was actually inspired to pick it up because I had just read the previous month the book about um, fangirls on the internet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everything I Need I Get From You. That was great uh, by Caitlin Tiffany. Um, And so I was just really kind of down this rabbit hole of really wanting to understand fandom and instead like not just bash it or have it be something that you look down on like oh that's a so-and-so fan or oh that's a fanatic of this producer or this director whatever but just really be interested in what draws that and what Claire Detterer is doing in this book is she tried very hard to make this she describes it as almost like a biography of audience like the audience and the questions that she's asking essentially is what do we do with the people that we love that have produced great art who are also horrible people yeah wow great question Mm -hmm. and what and she even brings up the question of like why do we why do we make that a we question? Is that not a personal question? Can't, when you make it a we thing, is that not just a way to defer your own responsibility? Mm. So what do you do with these people who you have idolized for whatever reason? And then it comes out, they've made horrendous choices in their life, sometimes habitually over years. And some of the examples she uses are obviously Picasso. Ernest Hemingway, Mm -hmm. Roman Polanski, Mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby. And then she has in one section, she just does a roll call (laughs) of people. And she's like, unfortunately, we live in a time where part of creating is divulging your biography and your autobiography with people. And so you it's easy to know so much about these people their artwork is what in whatever form it comes out is not just dropping in front of you as if from nowhere and the artists are recluses who you never hear anything of there no, everything's yeah. being videoed yes. and photographed mm-hmm. and logged about and oh right. yeah yeah Woody Allen's another good one like, and mm-hmm. she just kind of goes on in all of these very particular examples and so far it seems what she's coming up with is the choice that you make in this particular question really is very personal because there are certain things that people do that for whatever reason very deeply personally impact you and you have not made these horrible choices and so you do at some point need to be able to say i I want to enjoy life as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, what is your responsibility? And how much are you culpable if you are still funding in some way 
these lives. Yeah, it's wow, it's so wow. complex. It really is. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I'd be curious to hear if there's an answer to that and So far no. <laughs> Each chapter she's very it's a very well-written book because it's very accessible. Um but she's like almost feels like she's leading you to like I I do I found the answer I've researched this don't worry and then she gets to the end of the chapter and she's like huh tricked you no I didn't <laughs> <laughs> and then she takes it from a different angle um, but I'm really really enjoying it wow that's really interesting so mm-hmm. monsters a fan's dilemma mm-hmm. Claire Dederer yes um, wow well, I'd really be I'd really love to hear what what you find when you get to the end perhaps there is no answer perhaps the answer is the question. I think so. Just being mm-hmm. being thoughtful, yes, and and uh, aware and, jeez, mm-hmm. and it and it's it's interesting also to hear this question in particular coming from a woman because you may have noticed <laughs> that all of the people that I mentioned yeah. were men, and that she does mention a few women within this book as well so it's not entirely skewed but it is also very pointed that often what what is considered okay and appropriate has definitely changed throughout the years especially in the time of me too and that sort of thing but that also really colors what people and culture as a whole has been willing to accept and what are we willing to accept now not a book, but a recent movie addressed that very well. The movie Tar with Kate Blanchett. She's a. I want to see this ah, so badly. Okay, I better not talk about it too much. But she's a she's a wildly successful uh, um, philharmonic conductor, mm-hmm. and um, some of her misconduct starts to get called out, and um, it deals with that question entirely. Yes, the, the movie. It's very very well done. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is movie tar wow good good talk good stuff interesting rabbit holes you fall into my i dear. do and then mm. i keep going <laughs> i commit that to them i love it <laughs> well i picked up a book uh, recently called checkout 19 by claire louise bennett um i enjoyed a book of short stories that she wrote uh, some years back called pond when i picked up for the cover it's got one of those luscious like dutch oil painting uh, close-ups that's a still of all of these lovely floppy sensuous tulips and fruit and flowers I just I really really like that one anyway I found her very strange uh, unusual and I liked liked that writing I uh, so I picked it picked up checkout 19 now this one also has a wonderful cover I want to describe it to you a little bit in the background I believe we're seeing a painting by the artist Pete Mondrian he does those really rigid grids okay. with yeah. almost primary colors often um, sort of um, anyway in this there's sort of an impressionist uh, human human figure bursting out of this grid also it looks like you might be in sort of a cement room um, it's it's there's the the it's just a big flutter and big glorious swooshes of of paint maybe feathers or tulle or clothing anyway i just what it says to me is that someone is is breaking out of conformity and breaking out of a grid with um with just this wild feral creativity and the word feral i think is really fitting 
I think um, I saw another writer describe her as writing as feral, and I have to agree. So um, <laughs> I spoke to someone else who did not like this book at all, and I can totally understand why. This does not really follow your typical narrative or storyline at all. Mm-hmm. This girl, young woman, is um, she starts uh, starts talking about when she was a young schoolgirl um, in a middle-class working town, country uh, out a uh, county rather west of London she starts scribbling stories in the back pages of her school exercise book and she is intoxicated by the first sparks of her imagination and a- as she grows everything and everyone she encounters becomes fuel for a burning talent Ta- her burning talent check out 19 refers to um, the fact that she was a uh, she worked in a supermarket at in a as a, a checker and okay. that's actually a rather small part of the story although mm-hmm. it it's a kind of a crux um one of her uh, one of her oddest uh, customers there was this strange russian man who shopped in a very very um particular way <laughs> and handed her a book i think it was um beyond good and evil wow and he just said this is for you to keep and then left and that casual sound yeah <laughs> but kind of changed her life so anyway uh this book is just her me- her mental meandering all over the place and i that is probably why it drove drove this other person crazy but i think her brain is such a rich dark weird interesting place uh, that I was just happy to go along with the ride. Plus her vocabulary and the way she strings words together is just delicious. I absolutely loved it. Um, it the first maybe quarter of the book, my brain read t- you know, in my head. I was reading it with an Irish accent, which I can't do <laughs> out loud with my mouth, but my brain can do a pretty good one if the if the writing sounds right. Now, oh, she's yeah. not Irish, but she has lived in Ireland. And uh, I think she was kind of adopting that Irish style Mm -hmm. of writing. I thought that was a ton of fun. Um, I'm going to read you a quick page. It was really hard to pick something to read from this book. You should see this book. I've dog-eared about 14 or 15 pages. In fact, I had to buy the library a new copy because (laughs) I totally, totally damaged (laughs) the book that I checked out. Don't do that at home, people. Yeah, don't do that, everyone. (laughs) Unless you want to get us a fresh copy. Um, Anyhow, she is talking about a character that she has written about uh, in just just for fun on and off all throughout her life this hilarious man from some centuries before named Tarkin Superbus and he's just hilarious she gets all carried away with these descriptions um, she says that she's imagining his apartments his house in Venice or somewhere and she imagines them to be the color of an aubergine which as you all know is an eggplant I've always been very taken with aubergines, she says, side just completely sidetracking again, <laughs> with the way they are so tightly sheathed in a shining bulletproof darkness. When I was a dismayed student in London, I often fantasized about hanging a great many aubergines from the square ceiling of my sketchy boudoir. <laughs> Why would imagine, imagine lying there beneath such a pendulous sham- chandelier of lambent gloom. Imagine the transporting reflections slipping across their sleek hermetic skins, the assuaging shadows they'd cast as degradation tipped them into slow stately revolutions, the whisperings, the whisperings, the sighs, the melancholy glow. 
I lay there and imagine it often, but I couldn't realize my dream, of course. Aubergines were expensive, and I would have needed at least 90 of them. I'd have to... I'd, sorry, I'm cracking up too much. Um, I had some rather fanciful ideas about what studying literature at a university would have entailed. The sorts of mellow rooms I'd pass through, the views I'd come upon, the crepuscular light, the animated hush, the slinking patina and recurring fleur-de-lis, the bicycles and small bridges, everything on the turn, and most of all, the sharp and charming people I'd meet. In fact, as it turned out, a great many of them liked nothing better than to sit in the middle of their beds in the middle of the day watching Australian soaps cross-legged with the door wide open. Do you want a cup of tea? They would sometimes ask me occasionally. When occasionally I leant up against the door frame and scowled within. No, I would invariably reply and thereupon carry on down the corridor with the intention of having a very long hot bath. I got to stop somewhere. Wow. I, it goes on and Is on. Is that but one you sentence? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's one paragraph. And let me tell you, that same paragraph goes on for a few pages. So I can understand why a very orderly mind might be driven crazy by this book. But I was just happy to go along for this crazy ride. The whole book is like that. That it's is a ton incredible. of fun. I mean, there's a little bit of a timeline and we do get to see her grow up a little bit. She does study literature at Oxford and and and. She's just hilarious and a super keen, witty observer and clearly has just an amazing universe in her brain. And uh, I I was happy to go along with the ride. Again, that's Claire Louise Bennett. And this book is called Checkout 19. That's, I highly recommend you check it out. I am so excited to read that. You know what it's making me think of? Have you heard... I didn't realize this, and I don't even remember where I saw it, but apparently there are people in the world that don't have an internal dialogue going in their head. What? Yeah. How peaceful that must be. I don't understand. (laughs) Because it's basically constant. But that just, that reads like internal dialogue. It is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's her, my internal dialogue is um, extremely boring compared to this amazing young woman so if you are one of those people in the world who doesn't have an internal dialogue maybe just read this to understand the way the rest of us live our lives every (laughs) minute constant in our brains (laughs) and now i'm obsessed with the idea of hanging 90 aubergines from a ceiling and watching them twirl and spin slowly i also really appreciated How you said, as you all know, that that was an, because I had no idea what that was. So I was glad you clarified and I didn't have to ask you at the end of your reading. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I like how you just self-sabotaged. Oh, I did. Just then told everybody about it too. Cute. (laughs) All right. Oh, very good. What's next? The next book I'm going to talk about that I haven't started yet, but it just came out in paperback so I'm very excited is called The Dawn of Everything, A New History of Humanity by David Graeber and David Wengro. And I had I am almost done with another book by David Graeber that I started last month called Pirate Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm really liking it. And which is why I really wanted to read something else by David Graeber. And one of our lovely employees did a review for this book when it first came out in hardcover. And that is, I think, both up on our website and on, if you scroll through Instagram or Facebook, you can definitely find it. Um, But Heidi did an incredible review. And as soon as I read it, I was like, 
well, I have to read that book. <laughs> and she describes both David Graeber and David Wengro as anarchist anthropologists. And I feel like if anyone gets that description, they probably have a lot to say. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to read it. But um, apparently it is taking into account the history of all of humankind. And there is, I'm not an anthropologist, but supposedly there is widely accepted (laughs) um, understanding of the way that human cultures evolve and they start in this very simplistic way and then they evolve and if they survive they make these choices but it's not necessarily the the accepted belief is that it's not a choice it's just the way that humans evolve if a culture is going to survive but what david graber and what david wengro very very simplistically are arguing is that there's more choice in that for each individual culture, for each individual people group, you don't have to evolve in a very particular way. There are some cultures that are quote unquote um, just not as evolved. Primitive. Thank or, you. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for. Quote unquote primitive, but actually it was, that's a very particular and conscious choice Choice. made by the culture to live a certain way. And it has very little to do with intelligence or technology availability it has more to do with the choice of a group and I'm certain that I am butchering that because I haven't read it yet mm-hmm. and again I'm not an anthropologist but that is basically what it's about and I am really excited to dig oh, into I like it like that that totally mm-hmm. that, that really does challenge um, some of the historical narrative that we have mm-hmm. but it makes sense when it when a, a civilization gets too uh, too powerful too technological too top heavy we see them collapse almost every one of them almost (laughs) and we're we're kind of looking down that barrel ourselves right now Mm -hmm. um and that and um a lot of us yeah wow that sounds really that's a really great description and with that in mind if there is in fact more choice than that and it's not just following this particular pattern that every single civilization that has risen and then fallen follows then perhaps there's actually more hope in this way of thinking about mm-hmm. anthropology and culture, if mm-hmm. we have agency. Wow. Yeah. Yes, that sounds wonderful. The dawn of everything, a new history of humanity. Wow. The Davids, nice. Graber and Wengrow. And <laughs> Wengrow. All right. Well, I have been spending some time up above the Arctic Circle in my reading um, about Sami reindeer herder culture. Two novels came out uh, recently, about uh, right about the same time. The first one I picked up is called The End of Drum Time by Hannah Pilvanen. This one takes place in 1851 in a remote village in the Scandinavian tundra. I should mention that um, kind of above the Sami people don't really, I mean, they now they have nationality, Sweden, Norway, Finland, even Russia, but they... Um, the borders kind of were porous to them okay. because they mm-hmm. followed the natural migration of mm-hmm. reindeer um, uh, down to the sea in the summer and up to the light where they could <clears throat> feed on lichen during the winter under the snows. Anyway, this happens to take place in Sweden. Um, a Lutheran minister known as Mad Lassie tries in vain to convert the indigenous Sami reindeer herders to his faith. But when one of his most respected herders has a dramatic awakening and dedicates his life to the church, 
His impetuous son, Ivar, is left to guard their diminishing herd alone. By chance, he meets Mad Lassie's daughter, Willa, and old ways of every kind, of cultures, of beliefs, and political divides are uprooted as Willa, follow Willa follows the herders on their arduous migration to the sea. This book was so gorgeous. Um, I, I, I just can't say enough about it. Hannah Pilvanen, um, she's writing about a real phenomenon, the Lestadian christians was a is a i believe it's a sect of christianity rather conservative that still exists maybe a little bit like mennonite is okay. my understanding mm-hmm. um but it took off in scandinavia at, at this time the early 1800s and um the end of drum time refers to um the sami spiritual beliefs and their um their magic and their their spirituality and their holy people were um there's a particular name for the shamans i forget what it is but they have sometimes they have special abilities um to speak or to soothe or to heal people or animals or know certain things there are certain stones that they go to to um pay homage to to um to center themselves to try to divine what what's what way to go um and then there's um, a tradition called yoiking which is a certain kind of singing where you get in tune to a, a spiritual plane and um you can sing people that are dead you can and, and feel feel your lost loved ones or animals you can yoik about the future about the past it's a funny word to us in english perhaps but the meaning um, and the sound of it, if you want to ever listen to what yoiking sounds like, um, you can you can find uh, some of that on on YouTube. Actually, really? in recordings. Yeah, it's right. It's really just give you chills. So that's called the end of drum time because, of course, all of these beliefs um, were crushed by by the um, by the co- by colonization and Christianity. Um, they were all told that those things were sinful and that they'd be going to hell. Well, that's the backdrop, and um, there's a just a beautiful, sprawling um, story with lots of voices and characters, and there's a love story. And um, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to tell you, uh, coincidentally, the next book that takes place that I, I'm reading takes place in Sweden as well, but modern times, and it's called Stolen. It's by Anne Helen Lestadius, who is actually, coincidentally, a descendant of the Lestadian pastors really? and ministers that are in this book from the 1850s. That's a good rabbit yeah, hole to go down. Okay. Yeah, super interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, this book is about the Sami reindeer herders today and how um, how their their lives are. They are using, you know, snowmobiles and not skis often. Mm-hmm. But they're, the reindeer are still there, not just their lifeblood, but their sp- a spiritual t- tie. They're, t- they're tethered to the world, mm-hmm. and they're, they're dear friends. And their, their very uh, way of existing, of eating, of clothing themselves, of, of surviving this harsh, harsh environment is their beautiful relationship with the reindeer. So um, they are, the Sami people are... Um, are a, a minority and they are they are mistreated and they are misused much like much like some of our history here in the united states um they 
have to fight for fi- fight really, really, really hard to, to for their rights to live um, in their traditional way. Anyway, that's a it's a really beautiful story so far. It's a mystery. There's um, there's a family and there's some of their reindeer have been uh, getting getting stolen and butchered and slaughtered in really cruel ways by people that don't think that they should have uh, have any special rights at all or be able to exist in this way at all. And so uh, a little a little girl grows up and um, only halfway through, but I think she's she's working to get to the bottom of this. The police completely ignore them um, and won't do anything to stop this terrible, terrible, heartbreaking crimes. It's not terribly graphic, I'm glad to say. Um, these things don't go on in too much grisly detail. I don't know if I could read it, uh, if it did. But I'm really enjoying my time up there in the Arctic Circle. Stolen by Anne Helen Lestadius. And before that, The End of Drum Time by Hannah Pilvainen. That sounds great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting places in the world. I love being able to travel this way. Well, I have one more book that I will just speak very, very quickly about because we're almost out of time for the month. But the last book that I am also reading, I've been reading so many at once this month, is called The Deceptions by Jill Bialowski. And this one is, I'm going to just say, it's like you're walking through a museum and it's like that because the main character actually is walking through a museum a lot of the time but using the museum and that incredible like quiet atmosphere surrounded by all of this incredible artwork and using that to process your life so there's not anything that's hugely dramatic there but but the simple drama of living within your family within your job within a changing world and it's not a ton that's happening but it's happening in such a really incredible way in this book and that's the deceptions wonderful. by jill bialoski wonderful well my friends we have come to the end of another really fun hour spent in conversation um, about books just about my favorite thing in the world Alyssa, thank you so much for joining and doing such a great job running the board We miss you, Sherry. I hope that you are listening wherever you are and that you're having a really nice time. Um, Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on KZMU. We will see you on the first Monday of next month. That's right. And don't forget, if you would like, you can stream this on either Spotify and I believe Apple Music. If you look for um, Public Affairs on KZMU, it is available there. Thanks. Have a great month. You can hear Radio Book Club live on the KZMU airwaves every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. Find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org.